We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It's Tuesday, February 20th. We are sponsored by DraftKings. I am Nick Whalen, joined as always on Tuesdays by Alex Barutha. Yesterday and today have been maybe the slowest days of the year for the Rotowire NBA department. Mm-hmm. Uh, things things slow down quite a bit in the summer, um, but we're you know we're doing draft prep, we're doing you know prep for fantasy drafts, things like that. Plenty of off season stuff to do, but this time of year. You know, it's obviously too early to start prepping for next year. It's still a little early for James and I to really dive into the NBA draft. There's basically just three days of no news. I think yesterday we wrote something like three player notes. Yeah, and, and I think we have like three today. Right, that it's was like out of necessity. Somebody got a 10-day, I think, earlier. Something. Well, Rashad Vaughn got a 10-day. Did he? I didn't even see that oh, one. I Orlando Magic. He's back. John Hammond. Uh, John Hammond brought him back. Yeah. Christ, the, that's so predictable. I, <laughs> it really I, is. I, I will say I am still out on Rashad Vaughn. I will let you form your own opinion there. Um, I, just, I don't see that working out. Although, as far as places where he can go and get minutes for the next month and a half, I guess Orlando's not the worst spot to be. Right, and they can experiment with him at point guard. And at this point, John Hammond has the you know, he has the narrative of, well, oh, Jason Kidd was coaching him, and, well, right. they fired Jason I think that's Kidd. So. If it wasn't for Jason Kidd yeah i mean I if joe prunty had been coaching rashad vaughn all this time he would right. have, he'd be the he'd be sixth man of the year that's one of the all-time what ifs you know what if rashad vaughn hadn't been coached by jason kidd yeah i think, I think about that a lot right i was actually just looking through recruiting rankings the other day uh that's that's how slow things were is like i was like you know what i'm gonna go look back and <laughs> and just kind of see where these guys came in rashad vaughn was the 10th overall player in the country 
in the class of 2014. So that's the Okafor, Stanley Johnson, Carl Towns, Miles Turner oh, wow. class. Not not the greatest class. Like the, you know, it's not exactly stocked with like, the top two players in the class were Jaleel Okafor and Emmanuel Mudiay. Okay, both of which but have been traded already. Still being tenth is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he was drafted. I mean, he was a first round pick. So right. I mean, well, this, I'm, I'm this, just saying this class overall wasn't like. Oh right. You okay. Know, like it wasn't like the the top five guys are all superstars. Sure. You know, Stanley Johnson was third. Cliff Alexander was fourth. Towns was fifth. And this is according to 24/7 Sports Composite. So you know it That's varies fair. site to site. Um, and, yeah, but it's I, interesting. I mean, Vaughn was 10th. Kevon Looney was 11th. Justice Winslow was 13th in that class. D'Angelo Russell was 16th. It's it's like they got the top. Like, Okafor and Moudier are, like, three bad years. And uh, Okafor definitely closer. But, like, three continual years away from never playing NBA basketball again. Yeah. And guys, like, you just mentioned D'Angelo Russell. Looney is actually getting, like, real minutes with the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Well, he may not once Jordan Bell comes back, but he's he's being a a plus on the court i mean in a lot of ways looking back at these recruiting classes is like looking back at an nba draft you know if you you could re-rank the class now based on what we know it's a lot different and the other thing to keep in mind um you know when you look at recruiting rankings which i'm sure everyone is doing daily yeah what else who who doesn't look back at the 2014 class all the time um it's like these technically these guys are ranked by you know how good you know, the evaluators think they will be in college you're not necessarily saying this is how the nba draft will go in a year right by any means you know and i think that's why carl towns was fifth and Joel local was first although you know until about this time of year in what 2015 that you know that was the consensus okafor was the guy which james and i talk about that all the time and it's like what were, what were we you know m- myself and him as semi-amateur draft evaluators like i was on board <laughs> with that too i didn't question it and then it seems so obvious in retrospect. Yeah, that's a tough one because I don't follow college as closely as I think you or James or a lot of other people, and so I didn't. I didn't have a strong like I. I watch usually the, the Draft Express does the videos, and I right. make sure to watch pretty R. much R. all of those. Express. All I yeah, RIP Draft Express, and I don't think I have a, a, that strong of an opinion either way. I mean, my only you know the only thing that led me to maybe think Towns would be better is the fact that he could essentially shoot threes, and I mm-hmm. thought that was inherently more valuable than post moves, but it's I. Okafor's post moves looked like he could score 20 right. a game and it would be worth it so well in Towns too Towns attempted eight three-pointers the entire season in at Kentucky eight three-pointers in 39 games he he shot 25 percent on those eight three-pointers he only averaged 10 points and you know just under seven rebounds per game it's not like he was putting up 25 no. and 12 and it was just this egregious decision like no one really it became clear afterward that I wouldn't say Towns was necessarily misused. I mean, that game, that, that that Kentucky team didn't lose a game until the Final Four against Wisconsin, so obviously it worked. But right. with looking back with the talent on that team, you know, I think had they run things a little more through Towns offensively, maybe they don't lose to Wisconsin. I don't know. That's not really a future scenario that I want want to imagine at all because that was <laughs> neither do I. You know, that was a top, probably top five for sure, maybe top three win. You know, in terms yeah. of our. I don't know how how much you, do you value Wisconsin basketball in your hierarchy? Well, I don't know. Were you were you in school? You, were you out then? No, I was. That was the year after I graduated. So oh. I was still, you know, I still do live in Madison now. I was still living on campus at that point. Half of my friends were still finishing up their okay. undergrad. So I was basically like my redshirt senior year. Right. Um, well, this is my time to brag because I was there. 
for the final four. Oh, really? I yeah. just I ended up going for the final game to okay. see lose to Duke, of course. But you were there for the Kentucky game too. Both of them, the student section. Um, it was it was crazy. But yeah, I mean that was those two games were the best, probably the best basketball mm-hmm. I've ever been to. Um, Winslow did touch the ball, by the way. I just do want to I want to put that out yep. there. Winslow touched it. Um, he didn't. He did. There's no two ways about it. But yeah, I mean that that was an incredible win. I mean the atmosphere was you know, once once we we're out of the stadium, you know, mm-hmm. Wisconsin fans who are generally, I mean, Wisconsin fans are rowdy to some extent. Generally, you know, it was it was people were being very right. brutal to the uh, the undefeated Kentucky team. Yeah. Well, the only reason I ended up going to the title game was like I wanted, of course, to go to the Final Four, but not being a student, I couldn't get student tickets and like real tickets for the Final Four oh, at God. that point were like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Uh, and then I woke up that su- it was it was on Easter I believe it was like Easter Sunday I remember just I checking did, for fun yeah you know I think it was on on Vivid Seats which at the time I had never even heard of um, and I was like Holy, you know tickets were like under a hundred dollars I don't even know what we paid but I remember thinking it was a steal because Kentucky had preemptively bought up the entire ticket market oh, for the title game sense. and then when they lost like eighty percent of tickets were then available they had to get because rid no of them. one from Wisconsin was I wouldn't say you know people had no hope that they would win but. I don't think many people were confident enough to buy non-student section tickets for the title game that we weren't guaranteed by any yep. means to be in, whereas Kentucky thought they were a lock. Yeah. And then, yeah, all of a sudden the market was flooded. But that was a long way home after that game. It was, it was a long way it home. Was, I mean, like, I, didn't even, I don't even hate Duke. I mean, most people in here now hate Duke forever because of that game and because they, I think they came in the next year and beat the hell out of us in Madison when they were for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Yeah. But that was a fun Duke team. Like, that was before anyone knew Grayson Allen was this Grayson <laughs> Allen. He was he was cool back then, which sounds weird <laughs> to say. Like, you know, I know a lot of people love Tyus Jones, Winslow, obviously. Okafor was was considered kind of a cool player at that time. Yeah, that was that was just a really – I mean, that was just a really fun good. game. I mean, obviously, yeah, like you said, really long drive home. I ended up driving – someone's minivan sure. coffee the whole way home but yep. um yeah it was a really enjoyable mm-hmm. series and a lot, of NBA, a lot of legitimate nba players yes in that too um which is incredible kind of to think of back mm-hmm. now but yeah and kaminsky might end up being the best of them i mean as of right now ty's jones could ty's jones has had some really good games when jeff teague's been out but Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Let's, uh, let's move into the NBA portion this makes of the sense. podcast. Yeah. Speaking of Tyus Jones, has there been any, have you seen anything about Derrick Rose? Like right before the All-Star break, it was, well, Derrick Rose <laughs> and the T-Wolves, 
And then that's just, no. it's been dead for like well, a week. And this is like when Kendrick Perkins made that social right. media post and he was like, I'm on the Cavs. And then he deleted it like 15 minutes yeah. later and no one has said a word about it. This has been the strangest it. buyout market I can remember. Uh, I've heard absolutely nothing about Derrick Rose um, on any Twitter feed. I mean, I don't think a relevant tweet would pass through without either of us seeing it. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, Derrick Rose is still out there yet to be signed by anybody um and i don't know why i don't know why minnesota was signing him unless there was it unless like jeff teager ty jones got hurt because but yeah i mean they what's don't he need, gonna play is he right playing? Like, they have needs on the bench but it's not necessarily it's not their high Rowe. usage backup point guard like they need wing help they need someone to replace shabazz muhammad right. and it's not like that guy's sitting out there but i don't know what rose really brings to you i don't know either but I just don't think he's... I don't know. There's an article in the Star Tribune um, from earlier today, early this morning. Jimmy Butler, I guess, was asked about Derrick Rose. He said, quote, that's not my job. Is he a hell of a player? Yeah. But that's up to Tibbs and everyone else to figure if he has a place on this roster and this team. Obviously, I've played with him before. I know the talent he has. It's not my job to say. Um, Butler, oh, later on in the article... Butler went on to say, quote, does Tibbs need to talk to me about it? Not really. I'll talk to him about it. I'm sure he'll <laughs> ask me, as he always does. But it's not my job. I'll give my input. I'll tell you that. I'll give my input. That, that to me, doesn't sound like the most ringing endorsement it doesn't. of all time. Saying someone's a hell of a player is like... Well, a hell of a talent. That's, a, that, that's different, Oh, did you say too. a hell of a talent? A hell of a talent. Oh. Oh, no. Sorry, you're right. Player. Wow. I'm, yeah. Um, is he a hell of a player? Yes. Rhetorical question. Hell of a talent, I think, is more that's of a... That's different. That's different, because I could go down to the the university gym here Michael i could Beasley's point to a hell of a talent yeah i could i could point to a lot of guys who play who could be like robert swift a hell of a player hell right of a there talent. yeah <laughs> right but um yeah I, so would it surprise you if derrick rose went completely unsigned no not at all yeah, i mean i here, i kind of forgot that this you know that the bulls tibbs <clears throat> timberwolves pipeline existed and it's like without this where would he end up if it's not like the wolves are going to be bidding against anyone right i mean who needs a non-defensive non-floor spacing explosive point guard if you're the hawks or the nets or the magic who i guess got their guy or the kings like you're not (laughs) wouldn't you rather just take a flyer on a g league guy who's 20 yeah and derrick rose who's what 28 29 yeah i mean this is this is one of those things where it's like theoretically how many team that you're the amount of qualifiers you have to put in front of a team for them for it to make sense for them to sign Derek Rose is too much they have to be in playoff contention but not too high because then their players will be too good but they also need four probably four three-point shooters around Derek Rose and they need to be it's like I don't it's even like know you're if, trying to accommodate right. for him every step of the I don't way. know if there's an argument that can be made where you can say yes this makes total sense on all accounts we will be better with him on the roster I don't like when when has that been the case since 2012 uh as far as i know not i, I can't don't think it has no very bizarre okay well we got derrick rose out of the way we did we got 2015 <laughs> wisconsin <laughs> final four loss out of the way i neglected to mention today's uh stefan marbury's 41st birthday he did you see slash read any of that stuff about him retiring in china mm-hmm. the fans literally in tears yep. in the crowd him in te- it was it was very touching 
Yeah, and then like the silver lining to all this was that he's like prepping for an NBA comeback. Like he let that out. Like, hey, just just because I'm retiring in China, I'm not <laughs> shutting the door on anything here. And it's like I don't. And then that sounds like a big three thing to yeah, me. Yeah, I think his agent was like, yeah, believe it or not, man, like nobody's called. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it made, he made it sound like he was looking to get back into the NBA. I would hope that he knew that you know that wasn't going to be a possibility. If he was 36, maybe he's 41 years old. If it to me, it's one of those things where it's like I don't teams don't do this or they haven't. I don't feel like they have done this, but I could see certain markets trying to invest in a player like Stefan Marbury, like a retired player to just play like 15 games for them just to bring some fans in. He'll play like 15 minutes. He'll play like the last 15 games of the season just so fans can come and see Stefan Marbury playing an NBA game and the team is going to lose anyway. I don't, that I, hasn't happened. Does he have that following domestically, though? It'd be one thing if that team was doing like a tour in Asia or something. I think but it's. I don't know who's coming out to see Stefan Marbury. I I don't know. People are. I mean, you it, maybe it depends on the market. I don't know if you lived in who even what's a team? I mean, Atlanta or something, or maybe and you weren't coming. You want to see Stefan Marbury play one last I th- time? I think maybe you, you and would, I do, would it. do that. But the casual, <laughs> like, I would be hundred percent. I don't mean to speak for. I'm, I think speaking for the casual fan, I don't know that they would be compelled to come see the 18 win Hawks because Stefan Marbury, like in that scenario, at the end of the game, Steph checks in with like four minutes left. Does he get like a standing ovation? <laughs> I think it's just like a really like you're just like pleased that he's there. You're like okay, yeah. Like I enjoy, this is better now that I don't have to watch. Okay. I don't know. Who. He hasn't played in the NBA in almost 10 years. So there's that. But that's part of the appeal. Of it. Yeah. Now, it, now it's a story and it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to be a part of. Proof that he's alive. You get to be a part of history. Yeah. Right. Proof that he's alive. You get to see. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, hopefully the Hawks hear this and then maybe they reconsider. Let's get to All Star Weekend stuff. Um, I told you before we started recording. I asked, did you watch everything from All-Star Weekend? You said yes. And I said, okay, let's let's just cap this discussion right here. We'll wait until the recording is running. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say anything off the record. <laughs> and that lasted for about 12 seconds. And, and while we're setting <laughs> things up here, I could we we couldn't help but talk about the intros. It was just so sad. Like I I don't it was like a weight hanging out. I feel like I just had to like break the tension. I had to say something. I right. And I, I think that's also describes the atmosphere in the building at that time yeah i I, one i planned my entire day slash night around this game 100 percent. you know i had i had things to do sunday and i'm like all right i need to be home and i need to be i have nothing on my plate from seven o'clock on Mm -hmm. game did not start until 7 41 p.m central time so i did 40 more (laughs) minutes there that anybody could have done anything i i'm upset i'm disappointed Mm -hmm. i'm shocked i'm disgusted I just have a lot of questions about like the national anthem is its own separate thing oh my that God. I don't even care about. Uh, I'm not. A, I've I've always been to the belief that like, do we really need to sing the national anthem before every single game? I get it, All Star Game. Yeah, of course you probably do it before that. But I, I, there's just you know, 82 games. We're really doing a national anthem for every single one. That's beside the point. I, I wasn't even offended <laughs> by the national anthem. That was just a bad rendition. We've seen that before. For 37 minutes before that. We had one of the most confusing things, not musical things, theatrical things, just things in general that I've ever seen, <laughs> where Kevin Hart wanted to be in the NBA mm-hmm. and then that was to be talked dull. out of it by Rob Riggle. 
but then had the ball in his hands to win a game and then just held on to it and decided he didn't want to be in the NBA. All this played out on TV with no explanation. Queen Latifah was involved. She was. The guy from Workaholics was involved. He sang. Ludacris. Ludacris. Like, this is L.A. This whole thing is this big show of, you know— you're not going to get something like this in Charlotte next year. You're not going. You didn't get anything like well, this in Toronto. That's good. Yeah, right. And it, I think it was, you know, it was the LA factor, and that the best you could do was ludicrous. And I love ludicrous. He was one of my I, favorite yeah, I rappers also love ever. Ludacris. But in terms of like relevant people, ludicrous. But who see this is it, finding someone to do this is like finding the right team for Derrick Rose. There's only so many that the, there's only a certain level of celebrity that, that would take the money to would take this the level of money they got to do this specific thing. And I think that ends up being Queen Latifah, sure, Ludacris, and the guy from Workaholics and Riggle. Um, Kevin Hart does every. I, I don't. I, I can't even blame Kevin Hart for doing this because he just signs up for whatever. We need to know who wrote this. I, I'm not mad at Kevin Hart. He was. I'm assuming he didn't write this. I think someone from the Ringer just simply tweeted, "This is what happens when you legalize weed." Sure. And California did that, and so I think I this that maybe explains a lot of it. But someone someone did write this, and I don't know. I mean, maybe it was one person. I think if I was a part of this, I would want to include as many different people as possible to disperse the responsibility i mean i think that whoever was in charge of this whole performance should have had to do post-game media availability i think so too like Like a solid like 10 minutes right like we need answers for this it was never at no point during the presentation was it clear what was happening why it was happening and then to move on to the intros which were just a, which is basically just like a, a roast. It was a hundred percent a roast, uh, but with only the most lowbrow, like just uninformed jokes you could make. Like I mean, it, the, it was basically like they sat down and said, "All right, what's like the most cliche joke we can make about this guy?" All right, let's do it. Like easily starting. I'll, I'll just for the youngest joke where it's like I can't pronounce his last name. Hilarious! That was I was funny on the for floor the first half of his rookie season because I, you, back then <laughs> people legitimately couldn't. It is now 2018. Yeah, and then you see enough videos online, and if you really like any, and and we are at the point where it's like any NBA fan could literally just type it into Google. It's not, but yeah, so it's like you go for that kind of a joke, and it's like. Right. And I guess maybe all this was targeted towards some like casual NBA fan, maybe like my dad. Like the whole, t- but the whole time I, the whole time I was watching this. My thought was, this is what my dad thinks. First of all, that I do. He thinks that I that this ridiculous. It's like that. What I I cover this, Um, and then that's what he thinks that the NBA has turned into. Um, And I, it was all I could really make of why it was happening was they wanted to try to. I don't even know. I feel it, it seemed like they were trying to be like well yeah like this is what it takes to be an nba all-star but i was so so shocked by the end and there there wasn't i mean there wasn't a storyline it was like <laughs> here's people singing there's cheerleaders there's people there's, there was poor cheerleaders were just kind of back and forth there clapping was, for like 40 minutes straight. there was people in a cowboy yep people were dressed up like cowboys for some reason sure. and then people yeah. looked like they were from top gun the guy from workaholics was like in a yep so was queen latifah oddly enough i don't remember her being in top gun i don't remember either of them being in top gun i mean i i, didn't, I haven't seen top gun for a while so i you know i could slip my memory i was pretty young 
I just, I mean, we could do, I could do another 40 minutes on this whole thing. I've, I, I haven't even rewatched it, to be honest. It was burned into my memory. Like, I feel like I could kind of replay the whole thing. Like, it was just so, so bad. I was, I was frozen on my, like, I was like, I kind of want to leave, but yep. it's like what you, you also have to know what happens next. Um, and like you said, you, at the, when you, you clear out your entire schedule for this. Yeah. So it's not like you could be like, oh, well, I got this other thing I could be doing because this is clearly going to go for 45 minutes. But yeah, it could just, it could literally just end. Yeah. And then you come back from doing whatever. And it, there, there's six minutes left in the first right. quarter. Why couldn't Kevin Hart or someone else, anyone else, I, I, I don't want to turn this into an anti Kevin Hart thing. I think he probably got roped into something he shouldn't have done. But why couldn't he just come out, you know, say a few words for like a minute? And then just do the intros. Like, what? It was just, it was so just weird. And I, hopefully, the re- I mean, the, ever, the reaction was universally just, what the hell is this? It was conf- yeah, so very I much confusion. So I don't think we'll see anything like this in the future. I don't know what, I, like you said, I think this is all for the casual fan who tunes in. You know, you're watching the game with a significant other who doesn't care about basketball. That's the most cliche situation. Sure. You know, they might... The NBA's thought process is like, oh well, they'll stick around because they might think this, the theatrics. Were yeah, cool. like let's like, make this silly and entertaining. What are you talking about, yeah, like I don't, I don't care about. I'm like the least movie watcher of anyone in maybe <laughs> in the state of Wisconsin. I don't. If I'm going to watch the Oscars, I don't expect there to be a half hour of movie stars playing basketball to get me warmed up. <laughs> like, oh well, I like sports, so now I'm going to watch the Oscars. Like, what kind of logic is that? The Super Bowl does the same thing, and like you know, people say like, oh, it's better when you're there. It, it's not. You know, I think the Super Bowl is made for TV, whereas the All-Star game, like you saw beat writers tweeting, like their seats are literally behind the stage. They couldn't even yeah. see the intros. I don't think anyone at Staples Center was loving this. I don't think so either. Someone tweeted, um, it might have been the same guy from The Ringer. Just say it, or no, I don't think it was. So it was like, it, it's it, the Staples Center is the feeling of a morgue. Like it's quiet. Like, And that's the thing you can't tell on TV is because mm-hmm. the, the actors, no one, you can't even tell whether the people who are actually there are like, is this... And, and this is like getting well, you certainly weirdly, couldn't hear any crowd noise that's for sure yeah <laughs> this is getting into like weird territory where it's like the media is yeah making you think this is cool um which you know maybe this is the wrong podcast for that maybe not um not. but <laughs> but it was very shocking i was i was taken aback mm-hmm. for sure at least they didn't do the thing where with the super bowl they like flood in like i don't know five thousand fans to go like be the concert goers and then those people just like they're not at the game. They're just in. They come in. They go on the field, dance around for yep. fifteen minutes, and then just leave. They did have, but at one point they did. There's that screen behind at floor level. They did have fake arms, mm-hmm. like people were cheering, and the, the I mean they weren't real. Those were digital. So I mean they they didn't hire fake people to to do that. Oh, you talking the NBA one? The NBA oh, one. Those, like the things that look like French fries behind. Yeah, well, it was on that screen yeah. at one point. They looked, they made it look like there were people behind there, just like you know, really, just really excited about the All Star game. Hmm. Um, but um, it, yeah, I was frozen. I was, I was, okay. I was pretty, pretty couch locked. I think, I at think that that's point. the appropriate reaction in that situation. Quick word from DraftKings before we actually talk about the events of All Star Weekend. Okay. Uh, as always, we have a great offer uh, for listeners of the RotoWire podcast. Free six months to rotowire.com for new DraftKings users. All you have to do is create a DraftKings account, make your first deposit on DraftKings of at least $10. That gets you a free six month all inclusive RotoWire membership. You also get a free $3 ticket for a one day fantasy sports contest deposited into that DraftKings account. 
and you can play for a shot at winning big cash prizes with said ticket. All you have to do, go to DraftKings.com slash RotoWire-2018. That's DraftKings.com slash RotoWire-2018 to claim your free subscription today. Okay, let's start with the skills challenge. Spencer Dinwiddie, officially the most skilled player in the NBA. Hard to deny that. He won the skills challenge. Um, my pick of Laurie Markkinen did not pan out, although... I mean, if you read the All-Star Roundtable, there there are serious questions about how diligently I was, you know, um, taking the whole situation. Mm-hmm. But people had some questions. People, yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know if I prefer because they, they used to not do the two people head to head. It used to just be, I and mean, it used to take longer. And I don't know. It's really short now. Like if you look, if you look at a skills challenge from like I don't even know, like six years ago or something. It, it takes an individual player like twice the amount of time to go through, which I think is better because yeah. it it went from – I mean, at this point, it's basically like, A, can you make the pass within two tries, which most people can, and then you have to just hit a three. And it's like, is hitting – I don't understand why you have to hit a three-pointer, and the making the three-pointer is such a huge part of it um, that I just – I don't want to say that it's hugely random because that would be really disparaging Spencer Dinwiddie's title as the most skilled player in the NBA. Which he snatched away from Kristaps Porzingis, who was the most skilled player in the league until a couple nights ago. Right. Yeah, I mean, in the year before that, it was Patrick Beverly. So, I mean, you're talking three of the all-time. When you think skills, Patrick Beverly, Kristaps Porzingis, Spencer Dinwiddie. Patrick Beverly's a hell of a player. Yeah, when healthy. One healthy, great player. Maybe wouldn't call him the most skilled offensive player in the NBA. Uh, yeah, skills challenge needs to go. I, actually, it doesn't necessarily need to go. It just it it can't be one of the three main events. Like I just don't. It's so far behind the three point shootout and the dunk contest. Even when the dunk contest is bad, like this one was, it's still so much more interesting than the skills challenge. There's, I, I feel like to a certain extent, mo- most of the contests you have to keep within like a realm of its. Like you can't, you can you can only change the dunk contest so much. Although we've we've seen them try to change. I mean, they're, they're, they're the teams once I watched the two thousand two dunk contest randomly, and they had to spin a wheel. Sure, uh, Jason Richardson and Desmond Mason and um, some other people, and you just randomly. It's like you get one of Doctor J's dunks. You just mm-hmm. have to do it. You're just yeah. I actually watched that too the other day because I somebody brought that up on a pod, and I was like, wait a second, I don't remember that happening. I I didn't hate that idea as much as I thought I would. I don't like that that the guy doesn't get to choose what dunk he wants to do. He literally was forced to do a dunk. But I don't mind like I don't mind that concept of like okay, you have these categories. It kind of tests like, you know, you got to be a good all-around dunker. You got to be able to do stuff that other guys have done. You got to be able to do your own thing. Like maybe if you made if you made the dunk contest contest say three rounds and like one round is like freestyle yeah one if it was round longer is like you have to mimic a historical dunk one round is you know you have to use a prop something like right. that i think it would make some sense but it does seem like they've tried different formats and they've been very quick to either you know move to a new one move away from that one i think they did the right thing i mean the last major change was when they did the team's and it was just kind of like a layup line of dunks. That was obnoxious. And John Wall won that one. <clears throat> like when you think of all all time great dunk contest winners, John Wall John isn't Wall. exactly the first name that comes to mind. But they, they made the right call moving away from that. I I think there's there just needs to be more dunks, right? I was so 
yeah, and and so I was very like when the final when Donovan Mitchell did his final dunk, the Vince Carter dunk in the wrong jersey, and they awarded him a forty eight. I w- the whole time at me, the people who were watching with me, even the people, even the TNT guys who were doing the game were like, let's just let's just give him a tie. Like, can we just can we just yep conspiratorize and just give just give him a forty six time with Larry Nance and just make him dunk one more time. Because the dunk, it did kind of feel short. Like it, it's a good event, and you mm-hmm. get a decent amount of dunks and everything. But it, it does still feel short. Um, and I don't even, is it really even that much longer than like the skills challenge? Like time wise, like it. it. They also, I was watching with the sound off, so I'm, I'm sure they said it on the broadcast. But I'm watching with a couple of friends, and we're like, "Is this Mitchell's last dunk? We have no idea." And then he did the Vince Carter dunk, and that was it. Like we expected that there was another round for yeah. each of them. It's just, it's never clear. Like they switch these things every year and, you know, it's all for fun. And like at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. But it's frustrating when a guy throws down easily the best dunk of the night and that's it for him. Yeah. And then a guy who missed all three of his dunks scores a 31. But you sh- should you get three dunks and then your top two count? See, that's the, the ultimate like question for the dunk contest is, is it better to time it or is it better to give a number of attempts? I think either way, it, it's not great. You know, I, I mean, like the three attempts. I think, I think that's fair. Fine. Yeah, but because at, at some point, if you don't get it by the third time, you're even tired you, anyway. Even right? if you throw it down on the fourth or fifth try, it's not the same. You know, we saw Nate Robinson like do that for a dunk. while. Right. Nate Robinson was barely getting the ball over there because he, he, you know, like a minute and a half went by. That's part of what made Levine versus Gordon so cool because the the dunks they, just happened. They did them all on the first try for the most part. I think Gordon maybe had one or two. The Vince Carter one too. It's like he just walked up. He said what he was going to do, and then he did it. There was no like the ball ricochets into the crowd and you know, he's on attempt number three and he's got to do it. Like, no, he just did it. Um, and you know, that's not really something you can, you can fix if you're the league. It's kind of on the guys, but I would like to see three to four dunks in round one. Even if that means your first dunk is just a two handed windmill, you know, or just a double clutch reverse. Like to me, isn't that better than trying to go for you? You feel like you have to go for something crazy in round one just to advance. And then, you know, like when's the last time all dunkers have made every dunk in the first round? Like no, there's always someone who misses his, all three of his. Yeah, I think so. And ends up just out of the contest. Like last year, I think it was Drummond. It was Giannis oh, a few Drummond. years ago. Why was Drummond in the dunk contest? I kind of forgot know. about that. Unknown. DeAndre Jordan was in it. That happened to him one year. That made sense to me though. I mean, DeAndre could at least get his eye level at the rim. Right. I, you know, I think the first round should just be like conceivable very good dunks you know and whoever does the best at that you know if you're if you're levine and you have a bag of eight insane dunks yeah you pull out some of those and you just you you know kind of pass your way through the first round with these but like i don't know i i just feel like it's there's not enough there's not enough dunks overall there's not enough made dunks yeah. it's a it's a flawed system but it goes year to year i mean two years ago we were coming off of what I think is the best dunk contest ever. The yep. dunk contest was back. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're coming off of two straight pretty underwhelming ones. I actually like this one for what it's worth. It was just, to me, it felt above average. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to, I mean, you can't really top what, I mean, if we, if we topped what we did last year, I mean, that every dunk that's, every dunk contest that's better than the dunk contest over the past two years is then the greatest dunk contest ever, essentially. I think so, but like, was there a dunk contest between Vince and between, and, Gordon Levine, that was the best one that you really thought was better than Vince Carter's. Like I don't know. Jason Richardson had some nice years, but it was he there did. was never anyone who really pushed him. Nothing, nothing really comes to mind. 
and and so I mean, yeah, I think the overall formats is definitely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, There's not much you can do. I mean, they've tried everything at this point. But yeah, and so I mean, this is a really long-winded way of me saying I think you could literally revamp the skills challenge in its entirety, 100. Yeah. percent Like, don't even acknowledge. Just start from scratch, and I think you could. No, who would be offended? Like, oh, well, we gotta, you know, all these, all these new guys got an asterisk by their, all these right. uh, asterisk by their name because it's not the real yeah. skills challenge. You could literally do something entirely different. Exactly, and we've and, done it with every other event. Like, they have no challenge, they have no problem changing the dunk contest on a whim or you know, no. the three point contest. I guess has been there's not much you can do with that. And yeah, I mean, but they have, but they even added, they added the money ball. Like, you just yeah. put the the rack in your. Uh, I do your like favorite that, spot. I do like that too. I like that a lot because some guys. I mean, you, you, your first thought is, oh, you just put all five of them in whatever spot you like. But some guys put two here, you know, one here, just to kind of save those. And I think I don't know. I, I like the strategy involved there. Yeah. What would you add to the skills challenge? Like, let's say you're starting from scratch. Like, to me, I think there needs to be more obstacles. One, because it all comes down to the three point thing. Even yeah. like with Embiid, he he missed the first pass, just knocked the other two balls off the rack. And no matter how far behind you are, if you, if the other guy misses his first three and has to like rebound the ball, you're going to get a chance. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think you should have to. I mean, you could do it. Like a lot of people, like you, you should have to. I think you could start off. You have to make a layup, and then you gotta make a free throw. Yes. Then you gotta make a three. Yes. And then like a you. Thing. <laughs> and then you gotta start doing um, the the dribbling between the. And you should have to go through those twice. You should probably have to make the pass. I like the pass theoretically, yeah. but I, you could. I don't know. We would have to. We probably have to sit down and brainstorm this. Um, yeah, there's. We I could do know. an emergency new skills challenge pod. We could send it directly to Adam Silver. Listen up, Adam. Listen. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what you've been waiting for. No, I mean something involving more like skill based dribbling. You know, you got to go through this course, but you have to you have to do a spin move. You got to go between your legs. You got to go around your back. Yeah, like it's like, like checking that. things off. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's like box. maybe you have like a you know it's like when you watch the Pro Bowl skills challenge, you have a, you have refs there that are verifying everything. You know, yep. maybe you do something like that. Uh, I honestly, I missed the shooting stars thing. Like, I like that more than skills. Challenge. That was yeah. Like, you, I literally for, completely forgot. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't fun. What, <laughs> it was more fun than the skills challenge. What did they did they re, did they replace that with anything? I don't think so. It's been gone. It's just, they it just it didn't have it last year. I think Toronto was the last year they did that, or maybe the year before even. They didn't replace it with anything. They no. They, yeah, did they just start it later this year? Also, There's no way the G League dunk contest replaced it, right? No, because that's been going on for a long time. They yeah, wouldn't yeah. have done that. I don't no. know. I'm just gone. No, it is gone. It it coincided weirdly enough coincided with Chris Bosch's retirement from the NBA. Oh, interesting. Um, did you watch any of the celebrity game? I watched all of the celebrity. I watched game. most of it. Mm. Uh, pretty bad. It was worse than last year i think it was a at one point it was very clear that it was a duel between cuevo and rachel demita yeah who i didn't know rachel demita was a d1 player um and considering she was shooting nba threes with a bigger ball than the you know a women's ball Mm -hmm. she probably was the best player on the court um obviously cuevo did not live up to his hype he was terrible like i would i had been told that you'd see things on the internet like Quavo could have played basketball in college. Quavo could have played college football. Like that that guy that I saw on Friday night could not have played D one college sports. And then they threw um was it Michael B. Jordan out there? And then like he's all like he's all jacked from doing Black Panther. 
or is it Michael B. Jordan that was in there? I don't know. I don't I, know. I, all, seen I don't think so. I think it's someone else. Someone else. But then, so all, but the secret is all these actors are like five foot eight. Right. And so they throw them out there and you're like, oh man, like he's going to cause some havoc. And then Wynn Butler from Arcade Fire is like six four, two hundred yeah. pounds. And then it's, it's pretty much over. Wynn Butler, I think was three assists and three rebounds away from a triple double, which probably should have been the MVP, which you could probably just give him the MVP again. Yeah. Um, I think he was robbed. I think that's fair to say. It's yeah. Um, draft daily, the mm. future of fantasy sports is draftdaily.com. It's crypto, it's currency, it's sports. Draft daily is the new standard in the fantasy industry with almost non-existent fees, 100% trackable transaction and no risk of chargebacks. They are taking the industry by storm and making the game that we all love both safer and cheaper to play on draftdaily.com. Users can play without worry and without fees digging into their profits they're introducing cryptocurrencies to the masses. What better way to do that than to merge cryptocurrency with fantasy sports? On Draft Daily, you play and you win cryptocurrency. Secure your place in history. Play on DraftDaily.com today, where players in the game they love are the focus. All right, no more reads the rest of the way. We're just going going straight We're up. Going straight till five o'clock. So, any <laughs> any clothing closing? Not clothing. Well, maybe you might have some clothing thoughts on the dunk contest. Uh, there were quite a few changes of clothing. I do. I, I stand by. I really like the Jazz City uniforms. Sure. Um, I think they're that's fine. all I got for clothing. for me, but they're okay. I don't know. I mean, what? where were you at on the Nance dunk? The off, I'll I, say the off the backboard one first. The off? Oh. That, you know, I mean, first of all, that's hard. It's I mean, very I, hard. I, I mean, but so Dwight did that a similar dunk. Dwight's was like more pronounced though. You knew what Dwight did. Yeah, he slapped it with like, the one he, hand. Like, slammed it off. Yeah, and it, like Nance just kind of like tapped it and dunked, which is still super hard. I don't. Did he, he got a fifty for that, right? Uh, or no, forty nine. I don't know. He got a he got a fifty for either that one or the rock the cradle. I think it was mm. for the cradle, right? Right? Because that one came first, and he ended up he, losing. Yeah. Although. Was that in the first round? Because if you would have gotten a fifty in the f- first round, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Know. This is all blur. Um, no, I, I, I did, I did like the off the backboard to himself. I thought that was that was really good. Um, I don't know if it. I think it may have been scored too high at the time, mm-hmm. especially compared. I didn't think it was any better or worse necessarily than the Mitchell Vince Carter dunk. That was bad. It because it wasn't. You can't just. And then you just give him the title because he, because he did it <laughs> sort of. I mean, he technically did the same dunk. It's sh- it's if anything, it should be credit to Vince Carter for making that dunk look forty times cooler. Exactly. Yeah. Because Donovan Mitchell did probably the hardest dunk of the contest. I mean, the, the Dennis Smith between the legs was difficult, um, it, but to contort your body the opposite, like spin the opposite way that you would intuitively spin while doing a windmill, is super hard. But Vince somehow did it almost in slow motion, you know, like his full extension on the windmill, yeah. whereas like Mitchell's arm was kind of bent. He did it too quickly. It didn't, you know, Vince was just much more clean. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's why I felt like he didn't deserve to no. win off that dunk. In the wrong jersey. Like in how do you make jersey. that mistake? I'm not that's saying it's the, not a that's cooler the jersey. That's just mistake. Yeah, that is the cooler jersey. I own that jersey. So I was like, okay, this is I, cool. Like we get some. Very cool. I have the white version of that one. Oh, see, well, that's rare. Sometimes. That's 
Well, I don't know. It depends what Chinese site you're you're looking at. Uh, rare out in public. If you, everyone gets the purple. I'll admit, right. I was I followed the I was a sheep in that regard. Well, I think the purple ones are cooler to be honest. I just had a bad experience. I ordered a purple Trace McGrady one and purple is wrong. Color, well, the jersey was good. the The piping around the sleeves was a little off, so I didn't want to make that mistake again. Mm. So I thought I'd give white a try. Okay. Either way, if you're doing that dunk, clearly paying homage to a singular dunk at a singular time, you have to wear the right jersey. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he didn't. That would be it. like doing the Gerald. If you're gonna do the Gerald Green cupcake dunk, you, you put on like a Gerald Green Rockets jersey. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I but I I do think that Oladipo actually would have had the best dunk of the night had he made it, and it was it was he. So he put on the Black Panther mask, right? Didn't like he, that. It was I didn't understand why it was happening. Um, but he, the, he, he eventually made the dunk, but the first time he tried it, he went behind his head with both hands and then literally tried a full windmill yeah. after going behind, which to me would have been one of the best dunks I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like I would, that's, that to me is undoubtedly a 50, like, you know, yep. a 50 when you see it. And then he didn't, I don't blame him for not trying it again. I'm sure he didn't after trying that. I'm sure you only have the leaping ability to right. do that the one time. Um, and there was another missed dunk to, I can't remember who did it. But that was the thing about this dunk contest. I mean, there were a couple of the first dunks that were like, if they would have went down, I think we would have been talking about this dunk contest differently. True. But that's the, but that's the thing when you're talking about great dunk contests, it's mm-hmm. the combination of the dunk itself and everyone did it on the first try. I mean, the key might be to disincentivize players from just doing a dunk that they that they know they can make to get a score, because then at that point you're hedging. You know, like if you're Oladipo, you're like, all right, I just need to get a dunk down, and I'm gonna hope that these guys all miss theirs. Like that's not what the dunk contest should be about. No. And that's why, um, and so that's why you should have more dunks, or right, theoretically, exactly. yeah, and, and maybe yeah, only two of your top three count or something, something like. So yeah, you can exactly, def, you have like room that. to try something crazy. Yes. Um, yeah, you can't feel like if you don't make this, you're just you're done, and it's the first round like that. that yeah, and that's kind of how it felt for all these guys in round one. Yeah, maybe you only eliminate one guy instead yeah, of two. I would. I mean, the, the field used to be five or six guys. Like, it why did. not have six? I think. I mean, it's clear that there's enough guys that want to do it. You're not. You might not get LeBron. You're not going to get Westbrook, but there are plenty of guys. Terrence Ferguson, I think he would have said yes if he was asked. Yeah, and they still got plenty of, I don't know if household names is the right word, but like these are legitimately yeah. good players. This wasn't Jonathan Bender. Uh, this was, uh, Rudy Fernandez wasn't it one year. They literally Derek Jones White Jr. Out of the, out James of the White. G League. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, I think, is. I mean, this just kind of amplified the wave of momentum that he has now coming out of the break. They've won 11 straight. You know, if if you were just doing rookie of the year based on the last two months, he's the guy. He wins the dunk contest. Now I mean he was obviously a big name in NBA circles, but if you're a casual NBA fan who wasn't watching a ton of Utah Jazz right. games, you now know who all about Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell. Yeah. And I think that's that's half the point of these young guys to do it, is if you win it, you know, it ups your profile. Like look at Levine. I think that Yeah. I mean he's been great on the court. I think he would kind of be where he's at either way, but but he was I on Minnesota, is, yeah. and who, how much attention was he getting right. before that? My guess is that if I were in eighth grade a couple years ago, like he would have been my favorite player in the NBA for at least a couple months after that dunk contest, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was I was definitely the same way. I mean, Vince Carter was, I think my... Vince Carter was definitely my favorite player most of my life. Okay. Um, when did that stop? Magic? Suns? Um... I don't know when that officially stopped. Grizzlies? I think basically when LeBron... Okay. Started being a professional basketball player. It was about the time that I pivoted yeah. off of Vince mm-hmm. Carter onto because LeBron was doing 
stuff he was jumping just as high as Vince yeah. Carter was and mm-hmm. I was always into dunks as a kid so the dunk contest was a huge thing yeah for me. I went through the same thing with T-Mac his decline, yeah. <laughs> his T-Mac's decline interceded perfectly with LeBron's like real ascent so I could kind of I could ride T-Mac into like 07 08 and then it was time to switch over I, I haven't really decided what I'm going to do for my third act yet uh I might be pivoting to Embiid once Embiid, LeBron okay. goes down I'm if not Embiid sure can prove to stay healthy other than for Giannis, another okay. year let me yeah, let me right. let me pause for a second Giannis yep is of course yeah of course but other than Giannis Embiid is definitely up there yeah I just I don't want to go all in on Embiid and then have him get hurt I'm still not I'm ready for that type of hundred thousand percent I'm ready for that type of pain I'm ready to take the risk sure fair enough all right all-star game itself um I think generally this was the best perceived all-star game in a long time I think the league was able to rebound from the disaster of the pregame show to put out the best product like i didn't see anyone on twitter say like this was really lame after the game right. everyone was like wow this was good and i can't believe how good this was i i don't want i don't i'm not trying to be contrarian i thought it was good it was by far the the highest quality of play from start to finish that we've seen in a long time but i thought that they tried just hard enough that we didn't see anything really cool but not quite enough that it felt <laughs> like a real game you know like the last six minutes were awesome i wouldn't change that at all but how many turnovers and intercepted passes were there? Like guys were just playing passing lanes. Like part of the reason that I've always loved the all-star game is just the, the insane in-game dunks, the alley-oops that yep. guys would try that they would never, ever try in a real game. And we didn't get any of that because guys were going just hard enough to prevent it. Yeah. It was kind of like, it felt like a real NBA game in the sense that there, you were just letting guys take contested threes um and you just kind of let guys get around that mid range as soon as someone started like going towards the rim a lot of times they just get a hard foul yeah it like, felt, just it cut felt that a lot out. like that Cavs timberwolves game before before the all-star <laughs> yeah. break before the trade deadline that really set the tone for the right. all-star weekend um but yeah i agree there were a lot of times where like i saw guys like about to do something and then either someone bumped them on yep. purpose yep. or you know just kind of slap the ball there away. was a lot of slapping at the ball there I was that. that was a ton of that um <clears throat> LeBron like leveled DeRozan on an offensive rebound like yeah yeah stuff I mean it was kind of it was cool though I guess the, I, would, I guess given the choice between that and last year's complete abomination I would take this past year's yeah to me it has to be because if you're going to do if you're going to do something like last year where you're going to score like 180 points or something it the entire thing has to be like you have to be doing that by doing insane stuff yes. the entire time right like I want to see when I want to see like seven windmill alley oops, or else if we're just doing if we're just doing normal dunks right. and scoring 180 points, that's like okay, like big deal. That's like, you know. Did you feel like last year's contest had that? The like like in what like everyone just dunking or everyone? Yeah, like were you were you satisfied with how they got to 180 or whatever they were at? It was okay. I I think I, I think people just like just kind of disagree inherently with the idea of scoring yeah. 100 and well i think it was know. too much like davis had what 54 or something and it was just all like like pick and roll alley-oop dunks like you see in a regular pelicans game right and that's what i don't want it to be so that cut that bothered me if yeah. we're, if we're doing ridiculous stuff and i feel like that's like the middle i don't want the middle ground i want it to either be a real game like a yes, pretty I much totally a real agree. game um which it turned into in the last like seven minutes mm. five to seven minutes it turned into a real basketball game and that was incredible. People were yes. playing real defense, and it was like it was it was really good. Um, or it has to be this: everyone agrees to like play 
essentially a weak zone yes. defense. <clears throat> Steph is laying on the ground as Giannis dunks. Like when, that's, yeah. that's what I want. If you're, if you're going to make it a mockery, just go all ha- full Harlem Globetrotters. Yep. Um, and yeah, so I, I, so I liked this year's game. I thought it was relatively competitive. They made sure to keep the score close, which is, which is actually that's contingent somewhat on how ridiculous the players get. That's the other thing I I, I thought too is like it was was it tied? It was either a two point game or it was tied at halftime. I think it was tied. Yeah. And I remember thinking like I do wonder if they kind of because you could I mean LeBron had very clearly said I think before and for sure after the game that like yeah we made a point we talked we wanted to make this more of a game. And, like, I think they were glad that it wasn't – because, like, last year's All-Star game, there was a huge halftime deficit. And it's, like, yeah. when you're just throwing alley-oops and being careless, like, you can very quickly – one team can just score 10 in a row because you're not playing any defense. And all of a sudden, when you start trying, it's already a 20-point game and it just doesn't really matter. Yeah, I always thought it was weird that the two theoretical captains or the teams themselves didn't get together and they're like, let's just make sure not to let this get – like 10 points and if we're up by 10 we're going to stop playing hard defense then you can do some crazy stuff Mm -hmm. and then we're going to try to get this relatively even by the end of the third quarter and then we start playing i feel like everyone was on board for that but then lillard came in and hit like four (laughs) deep threes in a row and all of a sudden it was it it was up to 18 i think at one point in favor of steph i do remember it being a pretty big yeah because i I do there was and i was like wait is lebron is lebron really about to try to just drive an actual comeback in the all-star game and take this away from steph and that is a hundred percent what happened it went into the fourth quarter with the mvp was either going to be a random guy from steph's team because everyone had like the same line yeah or if lebron's team won it was for sure going to be him yep and like part of me thinks LeBron knew that and was like, all right, if my team wins, I can take home my third All Star MVP, <laughs> and all I have to do is make sure we win, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, very classic LeBron. Yep. Trying to steal, come down from eighteen point deficit mm-hmm. to play actual defense, trap someone in the corner. Was it Kyle Lowry? Our, it was Curry. It was, Cur- well, was, it was it Cur- Lowry was the guy next to him who ended up with the ball. Okay, yeah, <laughs> here you go, he Lowry. Just, he literally just shoveled it to him <laughs> with about point three on the clock. Um. Uh, yeah, it was, um, so I liked it overall. I thought it was, I thought it was solid. I was, I was entertained by it. Um, saw a couple of good, oh wait, we didn't even talk about the rookie sophomore game. Um, whoops. Yeah, shoot. How'd you feel about that? Same thing. Better dunks. Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown should have been. He wore mismatched T-Mac twos. He did. I respect that. Colorways I had never seen before. (laughs) Colorways that I'm sure are way above my pay grade. Um, uh, that's really my only thought from rookie soft was that Jalen Brown put down two between the legs dumps. He did. Yeah, that's tough. Um, at the end of a game too, sure. like he's clearly tired. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich stealing the show as we all predicted. Yep. Um, John Collins. Everyone kept like stopping John Collins' alley oop show at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He got a really nice one off at the end. Um, that one was it. Mitchell that flipped it over his head. I to think Collins? it. Was, I think it was Mitchell. That was that didn't that hasn't got enough run. That was insane. That was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have too many thoughts on that one. That was a little closer to a traditional All Star game in terms that of was. The defense being played. Yeah, <clears throat> and I normally, I actually look forward to like the rookie sophomore yeah, game because it's sometimes it does feel more competitive than the actual All Star game. Right. Um, well, because, especially with today's rookies, it's like eighty percent of these guys are like extreme athletes these days. Extreme athletes, and a lot of them just played together in AAU, or they met mm-hmm. each other in college, and um i mean they're all around i mean they're basically all the same age they got drafted so they really know each other and then in the actual nba all-star game you you know i mean those guys have been in the league a long time yeah, you just they, they all know it's each other. it's different like there's just kind of a different vibe to it mm-hmm. um <clears throat> okay let's see 
We'll save uh, we'll save MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year for later this week. But uh, it was reported earlier today, and we'll finish up with this, that Rich Cho will not be back or is not expected to be back with the Charlotte Hornets next year. Mm-hmm. Um, is this official yet? Yeah, this headline that I'm reading now makes it sound like he is out. If it's not official, then this is very Oh, awkward. it won't be extended. So he's, I, he's basically just going to finish out the year, I guess. I mean, what's what's he got left to do? I mean, he's just going to watch the whole thing crash. Yeah, he basically just had a team option, and they they declined it. (laughs) So very odd decision to say you're fired, uh, but you're going to keep doing this for another couple months, and then we're going to bring in this guy who we haven't officially got yet, that guy, of course, being Mitch Kupchak. Is that tampering? Um, what is that that's tam- not what i thought too but Mitch feels Kupchak, like tampering Mitch Kupchak doesn't belong to any organization right now so i guess not he <sighs> okay. as you may remember ex-lakers gm i don't know if he's going to i don't think he's going to be the gm uh i think he's just going to be a high-ranking official says mm, this ECN story by Woj. they're going to team him with buzz peterson who's been the assistant gm in charlotte um I don't know. I'm not the biggest like GM nerd by any means. Um, I just I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. Like I, I don't think anyone thinks Rich Cho is a bad GM uh, by any means, but I also think that Charlotte has been probably pretty disappointed with the, how the last couple of years have gone. They haven't drafted extremely well, other than Kemba. You know, like the Nick Batum contract doesn't look great right now. Um, right. I don't know. No, I wouldn't. I would definitely wouldn't call him a failure. But but at the same time, I, I don't think he's, especially the last two years, hasn't hasn't done the job that clearly they were expecting. I think some of it depends on how much you think Michael Jordan is pressuring Rich Cho into making certain draft and or signing decisions. Um, because I mean, I think both of us experienced that with John Hammond slash Herb Cole. Right. Um, Herb Cole on the same level as Michael Jordan. <laughs> um yeah and so i don't i don't even know and so those are the type of situations where it's like i don't really know how good if 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 someone just literally just gave the team to rich show just hands off was like you do this make decisions you think are right i don't know if things would turn out differently but yeah i mean draft history is pretty poor um some really bad contracts on the books um so bad that they're before the trade deadline it was the report was hey we're open to trading literally everybody that's in the starting lineup um which you know most good teams make their entire starting five available at yeah the deadline. right totally um so i think the writing was kind of on the wall there but yeah and i don't know i mean it's you you have to think at some point they'll just kind of reboot the whole franchise but that's hard to i mean what do you you know obviously the re the reason everyone is available is because they're at an impossible crossroads where mm-hmm. they're about to lose Kemba Walker if they can't figure this thing out. I won't say about to. Maybe he'll stay there for life and just say, you know, I'll just be a, a hornet for life. But hornet slash bobcat, of course. Yeah. Um, but he's a weird age. Would you even want to do it? Does it just make more sense to trade him? Can you? What do you do with the other guys? So it doesn't surprise me. Nine days after he was hired by the Hornets in June of 2011, he traded for Corey Maggette. and Who did he give up? Bambo. He gave up Stephen Jackson, Sean Livingston, um, and a first-round pick that ended up becoming Tobias Harris. So, I, you know, it's hard to say at the time 
Uh, that was. Oh wait, that was a trade with the Bucks, that was, wasn't that it? That was it was three teamer. That's that was a, John, a Jimmer trade. Is that a John Hammond Rich Cho deal? Yes. Also, oh. the Kings were involved, so I don't know who, who. I don't know who was piloting them at that point. But yeah, that was the Jimmer trade. That was the mm. you know Tobias Harris obviously ended up being drafted by Milwaukee. Yeah. I guess Jimmer was technically drafted by the Bucks. Technically, and yep. sent to He put the hat on. I think. What? I think Jimmer put the Bucks hat on. Yes, he did. But that was also the draft where they got Kemba Walker. So he started off his tenure by drafting Kemba. You know, that's very liter- good. Literally less than two weeks after he was hired, which I I wouldn't say that was a controversial pick, but I was definitely not of the belief that Kemba Walker would be a multi-time All Star. I thought no, he'd, I, I thought mean, he'd be like maybe pretty you know pretty good. But it was I don't know like there's just not this history of like upperclassmen great college players who immediately just are just continue that uh, in the NBA and he pretty much did especially when they're kind of like six foot tweener scoring right. guards you know you kind of you're kind of trugging with like, I would not have been surprised I guess if he turned out like Shabazz Napier you know it was kind right. of the same story uh, I mean Kemba was was definitely better in college but it wasn't he wasn't a lock by any means or if you know like he very easily could have been a Trey Burke um, yeah 2012 draft. Michael Kidd Gilchrist over Brad Beal, over Damian Lillard. Not great. Not that anyone was clamoring for Lillard to go second. Yeah. That was the consensus pick, but, you know, in retrospect, I mean, probably want that one back. You draft Kidd Gilchrist knowing the jump shot. Like, you've. It hasn't gotten any better. You saw the jump shot. And, like, and people always say, like, well, you can teach a player to shoot. Not when he is shooting the ball i i wait you know i i mean i'm sure don't even yeah it's You're disgusting doing not right safe for work i know up, yeah. yeah um not that michael kid gilchrist is a bad player but mm-hmm. he's not he he feels like one of those guys you could have just probably signed and like a player you could theoretically right. sign in free agency That's, when you, you need a player like that you just don't take that guy number two no uh 2013 took cody zeller at four that one totally defensible I mean, honestly, probably the right pick. That was Bennett, Oladipo, Porter, Zeller, Len, Nerlens, Mclemore, KCP, Trey Burke were the top nine. So whatever. Fair argument for Cody yeah. Zeller. So, yeah, I, don't, he, I guess you can say he should have taken Giannis. He should have taken McCollum. But <laughs> everyone, yeah, one, everyone right, should have took Giannis. That's a. I don't think Rich Cho is getting fired because he botched the Giannis. <laughs> Michael Jordan just comes out and says that he sure. Right. You know, Rich Cho just doesn't have the kind of foresight that to, we I haven't need. been able to trust him since that pick. <laughs> uh, 2014, he took. Noah Vonley at nine. Again, that was probably the right pick at the time. Stauskas went one pick ahead. Alfred Payton went one pick after. I'm I'm surprised Vonley's not better than he is. I'm still every time right. I see Vonley not playing, I'm like, really? Like, he is he really, really not? <laughs> so I yeah, uh, maybe he's getting fired for 2015 when they didn't take that that reported offer of like five first rounders for Frank. Oh, well, they took Frank because they the Celtics were going to give them all those firsts to move up and get Winslow. And the Hornets said no, so they could take Frank Kaminsky. I forgot that happened. Yeah. The question is, Winslow on the Celtics, would he have just been Marcus Smart? Who knows? I mean, I, I think his – obviously the shoulder is kind of what's derailed him more than anything. But Yeah, he can't. I I certainly don't think he'd be any worse in Boston. Yeah, just knowing what we know about now about Danny Ainge and his – him being correct like 99% of the time when he makes a trade – Mm-hmm. Oh, it'd be interesting to see what happened there. But the shoulder thing may have never even because that wasn't an issue. Was that an issue at all before he came to the NBA, or did he just so, mess he that was, up? Yeah, I mean, he was fine the first. I think he injured it like early in his rookie season, right? I think so. Yeah. So that would have been an interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, who knows? I, 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 people still generally like Justice Winslow, right? Like, you're, have you really heard of anyone who's just out on Winslow? I think people are still giving him the benefit of the doubt for the most part. Yeah, I think so, but it's been a pretty, pretty rough mm-hmm. stretch here. But if you, I mean, yeah, if you assume it's just an injury-related thing, there's no reason Justice Winslow couldn't right. be a worth the where he was selected. Yeah. So 2017, Rich showed, of course, took Malik Monk. Could have had Donovan Mitchell. Who knows? Maybe that's maybe that's an influence, but probably a an accumulation of all of the above. I think working for Michael Jordan is really hard. That's probably the. I think so line too. Here. No um, one's really been good at it. No one. He's not no. really had a ton of success as a as a non player. I yeah, but yeah, it's it's tough. And this is what people say: where it's like, well, you pick in the top. If you pick in the top ten, I mean, you're not really guaranteed. That's why you have to, you know, hovering in that ten to fifteen territory is just dangerous because. It's 100%, like we just talked, it's 100% reasonable. He struck out on like four or five picks in a row, essentially. Um, And most of them were completely reasonable. Like you go back in time and read like, you know, what people thought of the picks in the moment. It's not like he was getting hammered for him. In the NBA, it's very rare that someone makes a pick where you're just like, whoa, we had that guy as a late second rounder and they took him fourth. You know, like in the, I think in the NFL, you get that a little bit more. Um, even, even today, that doesn't happen all that much. But like, can you think of a time other than maybe Bennett? I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, cause I actually just, I guess got finished listening to a, a low post podcast. Uh, Giorgios Papayanis was taken pretty high. I don't know. It, it was a lottery pick. They took Giorgios Papianis in the lottery. I think they took him at like 13. Didn't they trade up? It wasn't that the Marquise Chris trade? Yeah, yeah. I think that's how they got. I don't know if they got. The Suns sent like, or the Kings sent that number nine to Phoenix to get Chris. Yeah. And then they got the Scal pick and the Papianis pick. Lowe said he was getting text messages from like people in the league. Like, is this a joke? Like, did they say the, they say the wrong name? Um, also, I don't think we've given enough flack to the Suns for Dragon Bender at four. I think we have been overlooking that. I think they deserve more criticism. He's, I mean, at least they're giving him a chance this year. Although he feels just, they gave him he, a chance. He feels they're like a bigger it. version of Hazonia to me. Where it's he's like from day one, it was like it was clear that he didn't have it. His own, I mean, Hazonia may stick around. I mean, he just had like a weird career revival. Same with like guys like Andrew Harrison. Like yeah. Andrew Harrison was like ho- like horrible. I am somewhat of the belief though that if you give an NBA caliber player 30 minutes for three straight months, they'll, I mean, maybe not they'll figure it out. They're not going to become an all-star, but like at one point or another, almost everyone in the NBA was an unbelievable talent at some level. And, you know, for sure, high school, yeah, almost all of them college or international. It's like, you know, like, do I, do we really, really believe, obviously the, the upper echelon talents are head and shoulders above even guys who are averaging 40, like Monte Ellis averaged like 46 points per game in high school, you know? Right. But nobody's arguing that he's a top or was ever a top twenty player in the NBA. But like, part of me does wonder about some of these bench guys. Where like, you know, you get you give some you give the eleventh man on the Celtics, you know, thirty five minutes a game in Phoenix. You know, like look at Terry Rozier, like he triple double in his first game starting. You know, like how many guys in the league are there like that? Where yeah, they're in a different situation. We we drastically change how we think about them. I think so too. Like guys, like I know you, you brought up the Celtics, like Rozier. I, I mean, a lot of those guys are big examples because, and a lot of that's coaching with Brad Stevens. Yeah, like guys, but even the guy like Daniel Tice, I had no idea He's who Daniel good. Tice was. I watched him play. I'm like, oh, this guy actually, this guy yeah. kind of balls. Um, yeah, I'm not saying there's a bunch of superstars just laying in, just wait, like, <laughs> but I think there are probably more, like, but really good rotation players. But there are. I mean, yeah. we see this happen every year with guys who just literally come out of nowhere. 
um, like the most improved player to some extent can be guys like that. Um, I mean, Giannis essentially came out of nowhere. Right. He was kind of laying in wake. Hazonja is not a great example of that, but he was a guy who he got his he got his rights. They made him an unrestricted free agent last year. They're like, we don't even want you. Yeah. Like, we're not even we don't even want your rights. And now this year, Aaron Gordon gets hurt. They actually have to play him at small four or power forward for like thirty minutes yeah. a game. He's a competent NBA player. Um, so I think that sort of thing like just can have like the game for some reason just slows down at some point for some guys um for there's i mean there's so many factors that go into like confidence and the right situation the right coach mm-hmm. maybe you're playing the wrong position it's yeah. i think know. it's just really really tough you know speaking as someone who's never come close to playing division one college basketball let alone yeah. in the nba i think yeah i can i'm in position to say that it's got to be very <laughs> tough to go from being the best player at every level your entire life to for most of these guys 90 you know 80 percent of rookies coming to the nba and it's like all right every, night to night you maybe you'll see five minutes at the end of the game and that's it you're the worst player in the building right. most you're of the, the time worst player here these like 35 year old guys who you thought you probably watched on tv for the last five years thinking kendrick perkins sucked yeah we're gonna play him over you, you know, like, <laughs> i think that is a big time adjustment for a lot of guys yeah and you get to practice and you realize the first mm-hmm. day of practice they just destroy i mean anybody who's gone to an nba practice or even showed up early to a game and just watch these guys sh- watch the worst player on the team shoot around like those guys they still make don't like miss. they don't miss 80%. anything and when nobody's there they don't miss anything it's yeah it's i could go we could do a whole another hour on that but we'll wrap this up uh we've crossed the hour mark yet again i mean weekend um, I, this is if there's one week yeah I that, mean, maybe we'll do another one later this week if, if there's nothing going on whatsoever tomorrow in nba news which we should get a little more news i would think teams are actually going to be practicing tomorrow i think yeah. for the most part everybody's still off today because we do have six games on thursday is that the first day is that yep. nobody plays back? wednesday okay back thursday and then a bunch of games over the weekend so okay i mean at least the six teams that are playing on thursday will be practicing wednesday right any good were any good games thursday uh, i think in theory washington at cleveland should be good but i mean thomas sadaransky is actually yeah so the sadaransky george hill i think when the schedule makers sat down in august that's probably what they were thinking <laughs> like listen john wall's knees yeah they just simply will not hold up <laughs> they simply won't <laughs> i think that's without looking i'm assuming that's the tnt game and then the late game would be clippers at warriors i would definitely tune in to watch philly chicago yeah i was gonna say that same thing too i was like wait a second now that philly chicago might actually be that game yeah although the bulls have kind of gotten booted from national tv for the most part this year yeah but that's still the game if i had to sat, sit down and watch i have two tvs so those would be the two hey, games i know right those would be the two games here. uh that i put on um but i mean because philly chicago that's one of those games where something crazy like there's enough highly talented players on either the, that something insane could happen yeah. you wouldn't want to I can't believe I'm saying this, but like the Bulls are one of the most fun teams to watch. After being perennially one of the least fun teams to watch when they had good players, now that they have bad players, they're actually fun. Yeah, I think a lot of that's Fred Hoiberg, mm. just making sure they play up tempo and pass the ball a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, they just got a lot of. I mean, Levine. Levine's looked really good. I mean, but they. I mean, they're having him shoot like 25 times a game, basically which is just great let them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean that's just, this is kind of like the blueprint for this type of stuff you know when we talk about like this is what we kind of joked would happen when we were like man when levine gets back dot 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 he's yeah. gonna literally be the entire team he's, he's playing both guard positions yeah he's although, fun to watch although i think that was before we kind of said that before we realized chris dunn would be and chris dunn's 
playing really well. Um, yeah. So Hope he's he technically the point guard. Teeth injury. That was I that was hated watching that. Yeah. That was disgusting. Um, when you get a concussion and your tooth gets actually jammed into your, it's not great. That yeah, I mean that's about one of the worst things that can happen to you on a basketball court as far as like pain because like obviously you have the knee injuries and things like that but i don't know like you hear people tearing their acl and not knowing for a couple of days you know I, yeah, I my roommate did that really yeah he i mean he i don't know if he thought he tore it but he like he walked we, we i mean we he walks back to our apartment with us which was like yeah. three blocks away and he was like my knee hurts and then he was just sitting around for three days like i think i have to go to the doctor <laughs> it was like but then yeah. he goes to the doctor he's like well oh so you tore your acl you know so I think that can happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. Are are you like a mouth guard guy in high school or when you played in I think college no because I own I've never gotten my teeth knocked no, out. No, me neither. I I hate mouth guards, but I think my mom always tried to get me to wear one and her story the story is in quotes because it's, this is not documented, but she claimed that someone <laughs> on her high school team, a girl went up for a rebound and bit through her tongue because she got like knocked on the head while, while I could jostling s- for position. I could see that happen. And that scared me. I om- almost to the point where I wanted to wear a mouth guard, but not quite. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I've ever tried. I mean, I had like I mean, I had I had plenty of I had braces and I had like retainers, so I knew what that sort of thing was like. Um I but like yeah, I used to not be able to play in them cuz it, it actually does restrict your breathing mm-hmm. and it sucks. And but maybe I'm maybe I, that was some more when I was a kid because I had asthma when I was young. So it's like you add a mouth guard on top of that, and I would just pe- pass out as a child, basically. No. Well, I'm glad you have a real reason. Me, it was just pure. <laughs> it was just pure aesthetics. I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to be one of those guys who wears a mouth guard. And that was before that you the, you know before cool mouth guards became a thing, and yep. you could get like shot doctors. Yeah. yeah. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.